Welcome to the Boss Ladies Podcast. I'm Olivia Wary, and as a young female working in the industry of technology, I'm constantly struggling to find my voice and overcome challenges thrown my way. I've decided to have conversations with boss ladies in every industry to hear how they do it. Boss Ladies is intended to inspire women and men of all ages to overcome their fears, explore moonshot thinking, speak up for who they are and what they believe in, and move up in their respective industries. Every day we are faced with challenges, so it is my intention to empower you to get the advice you need by interviewing top executives who have been through it all. Today I want to welcome Caitlin Donovan. Caitlin is currently the Chief Operating Officer at Circulation. Circulation is the first customizable, patient-centric digital transportation platform that seamlessly integrates with both healthcare systems and health plans and delivers a full suite of on-demand ride options, including TNC, door-to-door, wheelchair, and stretcher. Welcome today, Caitlin. We're so excited to have you. So to get started, I'd love you to just tell me a little bit about you, you know, where you're from, where you went to school, what was your first job, and sort of how did that lead you to where you are now? Perfect. Yeah. So I grew up just outside of Boston and always thought that I'd leave for a short period of time, but kept getting opportunities where I ended up staying. And now I love it so much that I'm here for life. Ended up going to school at Harvard and didn't know what I wanted to do. So was lucky enough to go through their amazing recruiting program and ended up as an investor, again, in Boston at being Capital Credits Hedge Fund, which at the time was called Sankey Advisors. I think if you really want to learn about how to think about business and you don't know what to do, that's a great way to do it. Because investing, especially in a company that takes a consultative approach to investing, really teaches you about every aspect of a company, whether it's strategic positioning in the industry, thinking about how an industry is going to move, assessing a company's operations, and then really understanding the capital structure, which a lot of young folks don't get exposure to that early in their career. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it was it was really great. Although I I realized after about four years there, thanks to to a mentor, that I much preferred creating business plans as opposed to investing based on other people's. Um, she she asked me one day in a meeting, "Hey, you know that you come in prepared with an entire plan of what this company should do, how they should position themselves in the industry, and whether or not you think you're going to get there. And my response was, well, doesn't everybody do that? And she said, no, of course they don't. Uh, They're focused on other things. Um, And so she prompted me to think about whether I wanted to stay in investing or make a transition to operations. And, and I think she was right. I much preferred analyzing a company, thinking about their business plan, as opposed to understanding the dynamics of the market. So um, took her advice and joined another PE firm's internal consulting group because I knew I wanted to be in operations, did not know at all what industry, what role, or, or really how to run a company, just the theory behind it. Um, so that really mm-hmm. taught me what industries I liked and how to execute. Yeah, that's awesome. And so how did you um, end up transitioning into that next role or finding that next role? Um, yeah. So from that PE firm, um, just by being given a lot of exposure, mm-hmm. was able to figure out what industry I like first and foremost. So learned that I really like healthcare because you get the ability to help people and solve very complex problems. Because the industry is so regulated, you've got to be pretty creative in order to make a difference 
in inside the bounds of those regulations. And then I found a company, Carecentrics, whose mission I believed in, and I think more importantly, whose management team I loved, because they were the perfect combination of incredibly smart and incredibly nice, which which I find to be rare. Yeah. So I joined at the first opportunity. Uh, to, to me, really focusing on that management team is just as important as the the company and industry you're in, because those are the people you have to work with and learn from every day. Carecentrics is a home health specialty benefit manager. And what that means is insurance companies outsource to them anything home health related. So if you need a nurse to come to your home, if you need a piece of durable medical equipment, Carecentrics would fulfill that for you. And they did that in three different ways. The first is they'd have a network of the appropriate providers that would come to your home, deliver the service you need. The Mm -hmm. second is they do benefit management. So make sure that your insurance company would pay for what you were asking for. And the third is they'd make sure that you were following your course of treatment appropriately and wouldn't get readmitted to the hospital. So you'd stay at home. So those were really the three flavors of things that we sold. That's incredible. What role did you first take at the company? So they brought me in. They were bringing on a new client and did not like how their business model was set up, specifically on the operations side. Mm-hmm. So they brought me in to, to build and implement their new business model. And I spent three years there creating and implementing and running what that new operating model was and continuing to develop operating models for each of their new lines of business as they were growing really quickly and and expanding into a lot of tangential lines of business to what they did when I joined. It it was really, really fun to do because there were some limits that were pretty strict regulations, but we as a team were creative enough to make a really large impact on our company um, Mm -hmm. through cost savings and, and more importantly, our end customer through much better service. So how big was your team? I had a team of about 250 people by the time I left there. Which is really fun to do because having a large team and ensuring consistency in how they deliver the same customer experience or same product makes a big difference to your end customer and is a really fun problem to solve. So when managing that team, I mean, what were some of the strategies? That's a really large team and and sort of an interesting problem to be solving. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, the... First of all, it's important to know the type of team it was. I had a lot of different a, a lot of different areas of the company that related to benefit management and healthcare and specialty products that Carecentrics was selling. So really the role of our team was to know a whole bunch of different benefit rules around healthcare. You know, do you get to have the home health nurse that you're asking us for? Do you get to have the oxygen tank that you're saying you need? And making that as simple as possible so you can give patients who are sick and nervous an answer that's right and an answer that's quick is important. The way that I thought about doing that is keeping the work that my employees had to do very simple. 
Mm-hmm. It was, it's hard because healthcare, I'm sure you've seen uh, everyone who's listening to this pro- podcast probably has their healthcare employee manual that they've never read because it's a hundred pages long. And imagine an environment where you are having to memorize multiple hundred page long benefit manuals and guide patients to the right answer within them. Yeah. That, that becomes almost impossible without a tool. And so what we did is we systemically built a really simple tool that made it so our associates only had to know how to use the tool and didn't have to memorize the exceptions because that really improved our consistency and reduced their error rate. And so I'm curious from there, how did you find circulation and, and how did you want to sort of continue your miss- mission within healthcare? Great question. So for me, apparently, if you want a new job, you shouldn't be looking and you should go on maternity leave. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I was introduced to circulation. Actually, my husband, Chris, knew someone who was on the team that had invested in circulation and mentioned that they were looking for a new COO. And through that and through really Chris's network, um, I was introduced to Robin, who's the CEO of Circulation. And after hearing her mission, meeting her, it it really met the three criteria I used to evaluate companies um, and realized it was the perfect opportunity. So first, I I have to believe in the management team. I think I've touched on that before. Because to me, liking the people you you work with every day and who surround you every, every day is the most important thing, no matter how interesting the job is. The second thing is I think the problem that you're solving has to be fun. Personally, I like building things, fixing things, solving complex problems. And three, there has to be a broader mission. So it's circulation. I've truly never met a more talented management team. And that was very clear even after my first meeting with Robin. And I I really, I'd follow them anywhere at this point. And I think the problem we're solving is incredibly interesting and rewarding because we're working to disrupt the way care is delivered in a way that's better for patients and reduces cost for health insurance companies. And we do that by providing the logistics platform to make sure patients can get care where it's low cost and comfortable, so out of the hospital, and have a way to make it to their appointments, adhere to their therapies, and, and stay out of the emergency room. I mean, that's really interesting, and, and it's a, a very cool problem to solve. So how, how are you sort of solving that problem? We're solving that problem because we've realized... Health insurance companies, providers, and patients all want the same thing. They want patients to be healthier. They want them to stay out of the hospital. There has been some great work done to solve the way care is delivered. So groups like ChenMed and Iora and Oak Street are really thinking through how to deliver care to patients. And insurance companies are backing them up, saying that they'll compensate them for that because the outcomes for their patients, they're they're healthier, they're happier, it's much better. But to really make that happen at scale, you need a whole lot of logistics. Because now a patient, instead of being in a nursing home or a hospital, has a lot of different specialists that are seeing them in a high-touch way, and they need rides to get them to their appointments to bring things to them, whether it's prescription or durable medical equipment. And there needs to be a way to do that that isn't entirely dependent on caretakers 
like children or like spouses taking time off from work to make it happen. So that's where circulation comes in, where we are a exchange of logistics. So we understand a request that comes in where a patient needs to go, what needs to go to a patient, and then we match it with the available supply in the network, whether that's a wheelchair van, a lift ride, a courier service to make that happen with high quality tracking and analytics to make sure that you see the patient was delivered the care they needed. Wow, that sounds like an incredible opportunity. And it seems like you guys are really attacking that problem in a a, a very thoughtful way. It's been really fun. I, I really think we are. And it's been fun to hear from our clients, the impact on outcomes we've had already, even though we're a relatively new company. Totally. So what's it like being a female executive there and just a female executive in general? You know, I really hope this is not a (laughs) non-answer, but I think the best way to be a female executive is to be an executive with with no qualifier needed. Um, You know, some of the challenges you may face could be slightly different. There's a lot of studies saying that female executives have higher expectations, get more pointers on their style. But really, every good executive cuts through the noise to accomplish a broader mission. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, and that's not to discount that there are challenges and different expectations, but recognizing that that's the case and just delivering results gets you pretty far. Yeah, absolutely. So I am curious to hear, you know, I know you in the past have worked for a male CEO. Now at Circulation, you're working for a female CEO. Do you see any cultural differences in the company because of it or in your day-to-day role? You know, maybe it's because for every job I've had, I've been very focused on liking, respecting, and learning from the executive teams that I report to. But I really have been lucky enough to work exclusively for executives that reward on merit and focus on building sustainably positive company cultures while still accomplishing their goals. So I'm not sure that I've seen any difference based on the gender of the executives that I've worked for. And I think that comes back to what is a good executive? You know, ultimately you have to get things done, but you have to build a team and a culture that's um, supportive and is a meritocracy. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, a lot of women obviously and men as well are sort of who are early on in their careers are sort of aspiring to be executives one day and to be leading their team or their company, wherever that may be, whether it's at their current company or if it's a different company that they're trying to work at later down the line of their career. But I'm curious, you know, what advice do you have for young men and women who are struggling to be heard or seen in the workplace? That's a great question. And I think it happens too often, a lot for women and even for young people in general. And the best piece of advice I can give is one that I've been given many, many times. It's know your value. You have to remember that you were hired for a reason. So don't wait for permission before taking reasonable actions. A mentor once said to me, you know, little pieces of opportunity are left on the table every day. So you've got to be confident to see a problem and fix it rather than waiting for direction. That's really powerful. Wow. I wish I could take credit for that line, but it's, I I firmly believe it, but I, I definitely stole it from a past mentor. Yeah, no, that's amazing. 
is that something that you you share? Do you share that quote uh, with people on the regular? Is that something you think about often? How often would you say you're referencing it? I, I really do. I, I reference that a lot because too many people think opportunities are the massive ones. There's a promotion that you can go up for and you keep your fingers crossed that you can get it. But there's little things you can do every day to show your value, especially at big companies. At big companies, I've seen all too often that processes have been in place for so long that people accept them as unchangeable. But then they also complain about how they work. And instead of waiting for that big opportunity, a job to open up, a promotion to be there, when you're sitting around complaining about the process you wish were fixed, work with that team that's complaining and try and fix it. That's a little piece of opportunity that's left on the table that you can demonstrate your value and generate luck for yourself. Yeah. Are there little opportunities and and advice you have for like even smaller things? Like when you're in a meeting, is there special meeting etiquette that you think sort of resembles taking that little piece of opportunity? Um, Yes. I think it's important to listen more than you talk because you'll never find a complete solution on your own. But once you've digested opinions, nuances, ideas, synthesizing them for the room and laying forward tactical steps makes a big difference in driving time to execution and therefore the opinion of you and your abilities. Yeah, no, I think that that's really, really powerful advice. And I think it's important for people to do that and to listen more than we talk. And I think it's hard in this day and age because everyone feels like they're fighting to be heard. And sometimes the best way to be heard is to listen. I I could not agree more, especially because if you are an executive and striving to be an executive, I have found that the best ideas I've had have come from talking to people at the front line and then validating what they say with data. So if you aren't listening, you're going to miss the opportunity to find a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. So just to jump topics a little bit, I'm curious what you think that men could be doing potentially to be better allies, coworkers, mentors, and and friends to women in the workplace. That's a really good question. And I think any good executive does two things that will disproportionately affect women. The first is make it easy to have a work-life balance. And what I mean by that is expect results and not hours and accept childcare as a legitimate reason to miss a meeting or catch up later, etc. And the second thing is to meet people where they are. Everyone has a different style and that does not necessarily make them ineffective. In fact, I think hiring people with the opposite skill set to you makes a better, more effective, well-rounded team. Definitely. And since you mentioned childcare, you know, what's it like having two very important full-time jobs? I mean, you're COO at Circulation, but you're also a new mom. So how do you manage and juggle both? You know, I feel extremely lucky to be in a position where I can manage both because I understand that not everyone has that luxury. But coming back to the concept of knowing your value, I was not afraid to ask for the amount of maternity leave I wanted, which was much more than my company offered. I'm not afraid now to be offline from 6 a.m. when Carter wakes up until I leave for the office at 8.15 or 8.30 and from 5 p.m. to 6.30 p.m., which is when Carter goes to bed. 
you know, that way I get to maximize my time with him and at my job. So I highly, highly recommend that versus what I've heard some good friends and and very competent women allude to, that they're going to cut their maternity leave short just to show they're dedicated. And the advice I had for them is if your work doesn't appreciate you and your results to give you your maternity leave, you don't want to work there anyway. So don't cut it short. And I think that time is so important with your newborn. Oh, it absolutely is. That's how you get to know your child. And that's how you know what your relationship with him or her is. And for me, I love working. I feel fulfilled both working and being a mom. And I don't think that I could give up one. But having that maternity leave made made me be ready by the time it was time to go back to work. And what was that transition process like going back to work? You know, it was interesting for me because I knew that I would miss Carter in, incredibly, but I knew it was going to be the right decision for me. So I made sure to have a transition the week before I went back to work, which was the first time I had someone else watch him without me there so that I didn't have to have that happen for the first time and be at work for the first time on the same day. So I highly recommend that to everyone else because I absolutely cried the first time that I left him with someone else. But that made the day I went back to work all that much easier because I'd already gone through that experience. Yeah, I think that's a really smart way to do it. I think oftentimes, like you see, they see studies show that there's a lot of drop off for women who have their kid and then they end up not wanting to leave them and they're not able and then they don't really end up going back into the workplace until their kids are almost fully grown. Yeah. So it's interesting that, that, you know, it's hard. And it's, it's, that seems like that's a really great strategy for how you approached that big hurdle of going back to work after. after I agree. It made it it so much easier on the day I was supposed to actually go back. And the other, the other trick that, again, someone recommended to me and I would highly recommend to anyone else about to end their maternity leave is to the extent you can make your first week a short week. I went back on a Thursday. So I only had to work Thursday and Friday to dip my toe in the water before ripping off the Mm bandaid. That was really smart. Cool. And then just to jump topics again, I think women don't really brag about themselves enough. So I would love to hear sort of what you feel is your greatest accomplishment in your career or just something you are really proud of. Yeah. You know, I've been lucky enough to have great results and I'm obviously very proud of them, but really my favorite part of my job is building a team. It's no fun and much less effective to be a one woman show and helping others achieve their career goals, be better, is much more rewarding and produces better results. So that way you get to be proud of people and what you all accomplish together. Yeah, I think that sounds awesome. But what do you personally feel is is the best way to be a good teammate and to work on a team with other people? I think I think the best way to do it is to meet people where they are. Cuz everyone has a skill set they're great at and everyone has areas of development and recognizing strengths and putting people in a position to to leverage their strengths while still developing those other areas where they want to be more rounded helps them personally and puts your team in the best position to succeed. Yeah, I think that's really great, especially coming from someone who's had a team of 250. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's insane. 
So what's some of the advice that's been given to you that you really want to pass on to others? I think the summary of everything that I do is to know my own value and to recognize the value of others. Because that applies to almost everything you do. And what do you think you do specifically to try and recognize the value of others? Or what do you think we can do to recognize others? I think assuming good intent helps you find the good and strengths in people so that you're happier interacting as part of a team and you're a better manager to to drive action that's that's based on someone's strengths. Someone gave me this advice and it really stuck with me, which especially when it comes to work-life balance, I think a lot of people get stressed, um, especially moms that are trying to be home with their children and be superstars at work. A lot of people talk about how stressed they are thinking that work is piling up and how they should be putting in more hours at the office. But stress to me is really just an exercise in prioritization. So when that happens, I've gotten the advice and try and live by this, where you should just think about what's important, what's a reasonable deadline, and then both work and life become much easier to manage. Now, that's not to say that that works perfectly, and there aren't some late nights, but they're absolutely worth it and come about less frequently if you take that approach. Totally. I think that's really profound. But yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. And I know a lot of my listeners are new moms and I think they struggle with that stress and, and that work-life balance. And even people who aren't new moms, even myself, you know, sometimes that stress follows you home. And it's, it's definitely like you said, it's, absolutely. it's important to prioritize and, and figure out what's, what's really most important. Exactly. If you care about what you're doing, which I think all of your listeners do, it's really hard to avoid that feeling. And so that's why I wanted to call it out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, is there anything else you kind of want to add before we before we finish up? Yes. Thank you so much for starting this podcast. I think it is so important to have conversations like this. And when I think about why, it's it's I was very lucky to have wonderful mentors, both female and male, that drove many of the decisions I made and made many of the comments that I repeated on this podcast. So I think this is a great way to collect advice from many mentors in one place. And, and I so appreciate you, Olivia, for starting it. Oh, and thank you so much for taking the time to be on it. You know, I'm really happy to have you as, as our second episode. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. Thank you so much for your time and your great advice today, Caitlin. Check back soon for another episode of Boss Ladies.